take your Bibles, church. If you would turn to the book of Psalms, we're going to turn to that great song book. Most of them were written by uh, King David, and they were written in all of the different phases of his life and times of his life and uh, his up times, his down times, and he just teaches us, and God teaches us out of this book of Psalms, he teaches us to worship teaches us to praise. Let's look at Psalm 34 this morning. And while you're turning, let me remind you of a couple of things that are in your, in your book. If you're not coming, I would love it, church, if you would make the Ravi Zacharias form this week a matter of prayer. Uh, we've, we have really been working hard to generate interest in that. Uh, our primary desire is to have people who are skeptical be there, people who need to have questions answered. I think it's great if you come, but I also think it's even better if you bring someone who has those questions because they're going to be, uh, it's just an introductory, but to have Robbie Zacharias uh, local and to get a chance to see him live is a unique privilege. You might want to jump at that, but it's Thursday night uh, at the O'Connell Center. Uh, it's free. Uh, it, it's just going to be an awesome time, but begin to invite friends to that in particular some of your skeptical friends, uh, maybe professors, you've got professor friends, students, I know you've got student friends, um, folks that need to hear that. Uh, and if not, just make it a matter of prayer, if you would. Also make a matter of prayer, uh, the three people you're going to ask to come on February the 4th. If you'd like to, you can take this one-day card, you can put those names that you're praying about, praying for, that you're going to ask to come on one day. Uh, if you'll tear off that part and put it in the offering plate, we'll pray alongside of you for that. So it's going to be an exciting, exciting week. Well, Psalm 34 really says it all. Look at it with me. How we are to reach up in praise. Last week we talked about reaching up in prayer. That we need that time with the Father. We need that time of receiving from him only what he can give, of lifting up our voices and, and refreshing our souls. And so we talked about reaching up in prayer. Prayer is such a key to our life. But there is another key that maybe um, we, don't, we take for granted or we don't think of as quite as important as prayer. Do you know there's a lot more verses on praise than there are on prayer? That surprised me. And there are lots and lots of verses throughout Scripture on singing and making melody in your heart. We built to the psalmist is this in Psalm 34. I bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then he looks at Westside. He looks at the and he says, listen, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. From beginning to end, command the Holy Spirit written into the word of God to be people of praise. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Can I just say this? God doesn't have to really make us praise. You and I are designed for praise. Everybody is worshiping. Everybody is praising something. The question is, are you praising God? Now, I know I'm designed as an instrument of praise. I mean, I just have that reaction to beautiful things. I remember an experience, kind of like worship, it wasn't in a church. It was my first opportunity to see the rock mountains. And have you ever been out west? Some of y'all have been out west. I grew up in the Blue Ridge. There's a beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. I love the mountains. 
That's why I moved to Gainesville. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. But uh, I said mountains, not say coals. I don't know what happened, but uh, I love the mountains. I had never seen the Rockies. I had a trip out to Utah for the convention. And my father and my brother actually went with us out there. So on one of the breaks, we took out on a Sunday, on that area of Utah. And I'll remember this, just we were going up the mountainside just to try to get to a place where we could have a view. And so we're driving and winding and we're in these beautiful woods. And then all of a sudden we came out of the woods into a clearing as we kind of did the corner to keep circling the mountain. We did a corner and came to a clearing and I came to a complete stop. And I had to get out of the car. And I walked out and I just went. I looked back at my dad. You got to see this. I mean, it took my breath away. A snow-capped peak. In fact, several of them. Some of you can say amen to that. You've seen it. It's just, it's pretty remarkable. I, this subway, I've never seen anything like that. I had to stop. And my voice reflected my emotion. My body reflected my emotion. You can see it on my face. I went all of these mountains. Now, as a born believer, as a Christian, I immediately was grateful to God for his creative, beautiful power. But even if you're an atheist, you're pretty much in awe of sights like that. Even people who are atheists, right? They praise things. They're designed for praise. Now, I got back in my car and I said, wow, what an experience. So here we go. We drove back into the woods and we're kind of circling, going, going higher and higher. I'm now on a dirt road. I don't know where I'm going. I, I don't know where I'm going now, but I'm just going in circles. I'm driving around. Y'all get the picture? I come back out into a clear. I'm a little bit higher up the mountain. I come out to a clear and there it is again. I just stopped the car, pulled off, got out. I think at one point I just had to kind of, I got down. I just couldn't believe it. I'm reliving it right now. Can you, you I'm reliving this moment of all. Got back in my car and each time I said, dad, Jeff, come on out. You got to see this. We got back in my car, circled around. That must have happened five or six times. I stopped the car. I could not go further. I had to recognize and rejoice. Imagine what I saw. May we never lose the awe of God. May it never cease to stop us in our tracks. May we never yawn in the presence of majesty. Breaks my heart. We come back out in the clearing as a church. We come back out in the clearing. We stand here together. We, we know who it is we stand before, who it is we worship. It ought to be able to be seen in our face, heard in our voice. It ought to change our countenance. We ought to write songs about God. We ought to sing songs about Him. We ought to draw art and paint pictures about God. We, we ought to, whatever capacity we have to praise, it is, it is be towards God. Everybody's praising something. I mean, look at Psalm 150. I love that. Psalm 150. So the psalmist, listen, in case you need ideas, you're out playing songs. I know you're out in your trumpet. I know you're playing your stringed instruments. You folks are out. You're out having, you know, you're writing songs about how much you love your girlfriend. You're writing songs about how, how much you love your kids. But here's what I want you to do. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. 
Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Praise Him with choirs. Praise Him with orchestras. Praise Him with pianos. Praise Him with keyboards. Praise Him with praise teams. Whatever capacity, language, song God has gifted with you, it will be directed towards Him. We are instruments of praise. The psalmist is not commanding us to praise. Everybody praises us. He's given us the direction of our praise. Praise Him from whom all blessings flow. We're going to praise. The question is, who is the primary focus of your praise? Why is that important? Psalm 61.8 gives us a clue. And this is where I'm going with this sermon today. Because this is really the theme. Is that by reaching up, it enables us to reach out. We don't make that connection very often. But I'm telling you, if you have no praise, you will not have any power for reaching out. Effective ministry requires continual, perpetual praise. Without that in your life, you will have ineffective, uh, lackadaisical, weak living. Continual praise produces powerful living. Listen to what the psalmist says. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day to day. I love that connection. You see, praise produces service. It empowers service. The king says, I know. I've got a lot to do as the king. I've got to serve a lot of things. I've got to fight battles. I've got to lead armies. I've got to take care of this bureaucracy and this administration. I've got a lot of duties, and I've made vows to God. And in order to accomplish those vows, to reach what God wants me to do, I've got to praise his name continually, continually. If you want to be weak as a believer, be weak in your praise. You want to be ineffective in your ministry. Stop being continual in your praise. And so we see the connection. And I want to just show you that connection and give you a few reasons and supports for this thought. That if we're going to accomplish our task, we've got to be people of praise. Let me just show you what... uh, it's true in Scripture. First of all, here's why praise is so powerful. The Bible says that God inhabits our praises. Now, that's a big thought. God inhabits. God gives himself to us in our praising and our worshiping of him. Psalm 22, 3 says this, Yet you are holy, God, enthroned lifted up, elevated on the praises of Israel. The old King James says, inhabits, he inhabits the praises of Israel. It's an interesting reality, and we see this in other places in Scripture, that as they would praise, God just really gave himself and his power and gave himself into the battle and all of those kind of things. And and I think that's still true today, is that uh, he... Our praise invites him in a, in, a, in a beautiful way into our lives. 
I mean, just experience that as a parent, don't you? Don't you just want to love an appreciative child? Dad, I just think you're the greatest dad ever. What do you want, darling? I'm so thankful. You know, when your kids are grateful, you just, it just melts your hearts. God's the Father. He's the same way. When we praise Him and recognize Him for who He is, it's not that He's in need of that. It is that He sees us as His precious children, and He wants, he wants you to enjoy Him he wants you to experience the fullness of his praises and so of his presence and his power. And so in our appreciation and adoration and singing songs to him, I remember on my birthday, I don't think I've ever had a, quite a moment like this on my surprise birthday party when I turned, uh, when I turned 50. My surprise party, my kids had secretly gotten together and had put two or three songs together. My kids have never sung together. On my, and so I came in and here they all got up there. I had one on the guitar, one on the piano, and all of them had learned a couple of songs. And each of them sang little solos and then they sang together. What do you think I was doing? Be glad when this is over. I was, I was, a, I was mush. I don't know that I've ever had a more joyful moment to hear the songs of my children. God inhabits those praises. He's enthroned upon your praises. Why do you think when the Holy Spirit enters into you, one of the first things you do, when He fills you, one of the first things you do is sing, shout, praise. The Holy Spirit knows this. And that it is his job. When the Spirit of God fills you, he enters into your life and he produces praise towards the other. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't really want to draw attention to himself. He wants to draw attention to Christ. And so Spirit-filled people start exalting Jesus. Start giving glory to the Father. They start celebrating about the blood of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit produces praise towards the Father because he also knows that the, Holy, that, that the praise will empower the church for their effectiveness in ministry. Listen to Ephesians 5.18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the what? The Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. And that means to be continually being filled. And so we need to be controlled and filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we do so, look at some of the fruit of that, verse 19. We'll be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll start singing. We're designed for that. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And some of you will read that verse and go, I'm glad it says with my heart because I don't like to sing with my mouth. Listen. You know, I just don't buy the I don't sing deal. I don't, I don't buy that. Don't tell me that. I'm not a singer. God doesn't want to hear my voice. I just don't sing. You are designed to sing. You are designed to praise. Everybody sings. I bet that you sing happy birthday at your child's birthday party. Or do you sit there and go, till it's over 
Why? You sing about what you love. And nobody, you know, when everybody's singing happy birthday, nobody is looking over at you. Man, he's out of tune. We don't even start on tune. It's okay to be completely out of tune and happy birthday. Because the point is, you're celebrating that person, right? Here's the problem. A lot of us sometimes, uh, uh, a lot of believers say, I just don't sing. But what, the reason you say that is because you're evaluating your singing best on, based on somebody else. You're making an evaluation on quality, the quality of your voice, the quality of the sound. Maybe you're tone deaf and you're embarrassed that somebody might hear you. Be, see, you're evaluating and dictating your singing based on the person, the people around you. Almost everybody sings in the car or in the shower or somewhere, right? We've got to stop evaluating our singing based on other people because God is evaluating our singing based on our heart. And when see, we're in a broken, falling down world. I, I, I can still sing a little bit, but I can't sing like I used to. Years of preaching, my range is not as good. I still, it kind of hurts my, so I don't sing as well as I used to, but I, I, I want to flow out to the Lord somehow. You are designed to make music. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Those are three different types of songs. What's interesting, if you study that, the hymns were songs that they did in the pagan temples. They called them hymns in the pagan temples. Well, they just adapted those, and those were songs directed towards the deity. Well, they took all that and said, no, we're not going to direct it towards Zeus and Apollos. We're going to sing hymns to the one and only true God. Then there were psalms. Psalms were more testimonial. Psalms are more about what God has done for me, how he's delivered me. They're more personal songs. And that's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. You start praising God, and you start telling people about what God has done for you. And then there are uh, spiritual songs, which are interesting. The word odes, you've heard that in our musical language. These are odes. These were just normal day-to-day songs, that you like happy birthday, or songs that you may have sung to your children, you know, nursery rhyme. They're just odes. They're secular songs. They were adopted, or they were created. These were... These just flowed out of people's hearts, and they made them spiritual. They directed them. So it's interesting that the Holy Spirit describes the effect that he has on us. When we're filled, he turns us into praising creatures, directs our praise towards God. Verse 20 says, we'll be giving thanks always. And he empowers our ministry through this. Colossians 3.16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. When the word of Christ, God's word dwells in your heart, guess what the word of God produces and just uh, flows out of your mouth like? It says you be singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to your hearts to God. There are 575 references to praise, singing, and music in the Bible. Praise is the highest expression, or the highest expression of praise our minds can fathom, I believe, is music, is singing. It's just such a powerful part. I just want to encourage you to let God know your love with the tools that he's given you. Some of you are artists. All of us are singers. Some of you have 
great skill and ability. Use your temple to praise your Savior. The Holy Spirit will lead us that direction. Let me give you another second reason. Praise is so powerful. God inhabits it, but also, when we look in Scripture, praise drove out the enemy. Satan is allergic to praise. He has an allergic reaction. You want to you wanna take over a room from the evil one, begin to praise Jesus. Begin to sing praises. Begin to, begin to proclaim the truth of God's word. Satan despises that. And you know why he despises it so much? It's because he wants it so bad. It's interesting, isn't it? When Jesus went out into the wilderness, Satan attacked him immediately out in the wilderness, and he came at him from three different directions. He came at him from his physical hunger, turned that stone into bread. He came at him from his mental sort of pride, needy, fully human, and he said, said, if you'll just go jump off the temple, you know the angels will catch you. Everybody will know who you are. Don't go through the humiliation of this earthly ministry. Just take it into your own hands. Go show who you are. He attacked his pride, his physical hunger, but then at the height uh, height of his suffering, Satan came for what he really, really wanted. And he says here in Matthew chapter 4, Verse 8 or verse 9, all these I will give you if you fall down and do what? Worship me. Because here's what, if he could misdirect Jesus' work, he had him. He had him. Not only did Satan want the worship of Jesus, not only does he want your worship, but even if you won't worship him, if you can worship anything other than God that's close enough, he'll be happy. Whatever idol will do, just don't worship God. Worship me. Worship something like me. Worship yourself. And I don't think it's any surprise that when he hit that Worship button in Jesus' temptation. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. You know it is written, you shall what? Worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Satan left him alone. I love the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And this happened in the Old Testament several times. That God would use the praises and the singing and the worship of the people of Israel as a weapon. We saw it around Jericho. As they went around and they worshiped and they shouted. But in one of these interesting stories in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, is facing these terrible enemies they're coming they're probably going to rout judah and jerusalem and and they're really they really don't know what to do so they're amassing their army they're doing the best they can to go out and fight physically these enemies well uh, the prophet of god came to jehoshaphat and said here's what god is telling put down your swords put this down stop your military planning here's the plan to defeat your enemies get together a choir maybe we should send a choir North Korea or something. I don't know. 
get together your choir get together a bunch of singers make sure they have their horns their trumpets we're gonna we're gonna worship in the face of our enemy and our enemy is gonna flee and that's exactly what happened it says in verse 22 of chapter 20 and when they begin to sing and praise the Lord set an ambush against the enemy We've got to be a praising, worshiping church. We can't lose the awe of God. We can't stop letting it flow out. We can't stop pursuing Him in song, in worship and praise, because I really believe that it casts out the enemy. It just places a shield around us in a very powerful way. And, it, and God is enthroned upon that and inhabits that and gives himself to us in our praises. It's so important. It's not just the beginning of our worship service. It's not just let me get out through the songs, get to the good part or the bad part, whichever way you want to look at it. All together, we're praising him with our lips, praising him with our lives. We ought to take it very seriously because here's the Old Testament principle. Victorious warfare always required victorious worship. And I don't believe that's changed in the New Testament. Our praise is powerful. Here's the third reason we ought to praise. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 40. Verse 1, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new, what? A new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God, but look at the effect. Look what happens when God's people, having been rescued by their Savior, sing a new song. Notice what happens. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. People are drawn by our praise. People are, are drawn by that. Naturally, they're drawn to praise. They like to go and they like to see people who are passionate, excited about things. Just watch them go into some of our athletic arenas. I mean, there's just, it's, it's thrilling, it's exciting to hear people shout and to hear people sing, to have the fight song and all those kind of things. We're built for that. We've just misdirected it. So listen to the psalmist. Listen to the psalmist. He says, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord. I think there's another interesting thing about singing and praising God. There is a, there's an amazing scripture I want to close with. In Zephaniah 3. Now, I won't ask you to turn quickly to Zephaniah. It's in the Bible. But you might think of it, one scholar calls it the, the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Zephaniah 3.16 says this. On that day, what day? This is the day that Jesus has come back 
He is enthroned over Israel and all of the redeemed and the remnant of Israel are there. And this is a picture of the future, but it is also, I think, a very real picture of our Savior right now in the throne room of heaven. But on that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one, a mighty warrior who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He says, he's going to be so happy over those he saved. He will quiet you and calm your heart by his love. And he'll talk, tell his people, it's going to be okay. I'm your savior. I love you. I rejoice over you. And listen to what it says. He will exult over you with loud singing. I cannot wait to hear my Savior sing. And he's going to sing with joy over me and over you. Won't you be saved by this Savior? Don't you want to follow that kind of Savior? Don't you want to praise that kind of Savior? He wants to sing and is singing over his bride, the church. I remember when I, I wrote a song for Sarah. I'm not going to sing that song for you today. One day, maybe. I wrote a song for her, and I sat at the piano like this. I was, I was at the piano. Boy, was I nervous. 27 years ago. And the doors opened, and nobody in the room could see, but they opened the doors so she could see me sing over her. And she could hear me sing over my bride. And I wrote her a song for my heart. I was so excited that a girl chose to marry me. But that one in particular. And God sings over us. And there's a song I just want to share with you to take us into our time of worshiping the Father. Just remember how much He loves you. He's singing over you. I have heard so many things Listened to a thousand tongues But there is one that sounds above them all the father's song the father's love you sing it over me and for eternity it's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony, you are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery, the King of love has sent for me and now you're singing over me 
Father's song. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. Singing over me, the Father's song, heaven's perfect mystery, the King of love has sent for me, and now you're singing over me, the Father's song. Join me in singing this. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. My grace. Savior art thou if ever I love thee my Jesus tis now he loves you and we love him don't we